He tells you here that if you have something against a person and when you come to the house of the Lord, you remember by the conviction of the Holy Spirit and He tells you, hey, you haven't done this thing right. He says, leave your sacrifice and go and make things right. And then when you come, God will receive your offering. Why? Because you've squared away your attitude with that person. Welcome to Somebody Loves You Radio, the Bible teaching ministry of Raul Reese in Diamond Bar, California. It's good to have you with us today for our continuing study of the life guidance found in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Today, as Raul explores Jesus' practical instruction, he'll encourage you to avoid burdening yourself with the weight of religion. Rather than obeying God out of guilt or obligation, you can walk with Him in the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. Today's lesson is titled, Purity of Life. If you have your Bible, join us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. The reason that Jesus is dealing in the Sermon on the Mount with His disciples is because the Pharisees and the scribes were very religious people. They had made rules and regulations, for example. They had taken the Ten Commandments of God. And they had divided the law of God into 613 commandments. 248 do's and 365 don'ts. And this was actually being pressed upon the people. And the people didn't know what to do. So when Jesus saw the people and the burden over the people as these religious leaders were putting a load on them. Instead of really having the freedom of religion or the freedom of worship. Jesus Christ now begins to teach His disciples what He really wanted them to understand. And what He does is He goes back to the Old Testament, to the law, as they had taken the law, which were the Ten Commandments, and God had given to Moses, but they also had applied the law to themselves, you see. It was not the correct law. They actually, they took it upon themselves, and because they were the leaders... They only applied it to those that were the people, which means they didn't practice what they preached. And so Jesus now is going to teach us concerning this. Then in verse 21, we come now to the illustrations that Jesus Christ begins to give. And the first thing he does in verse 21, look what he says. And you have heard that it was said of all time, you shall not murder or whosoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But then Jesus says, this is what I say now. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whosoever says to his brother, raka or vain or stupid or empty headed shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever says you fool or stupid or empty-headed shall be in danger of the lake of fire. Notice that. That's more critical than the law. Why? Because what Jesus is doing here now, He is dealing with attitudes. 
Your attitude, my attitude. You see? The law killeth, but the Spirit gives life. And so what he's trying to get across, he's saying, yeah, if you murder somebody, you'll be judged and you'll be damned and you'll receive capital punishment and you'll be put to death. But I tell you now that if in your heart you think murder, you're just as guilty as the one that pulled the trigger and killed the person. So he wants you to understand that the problem with men is in the heart. And this is what Jesus wants to deal with. It's the attitude rather than the actions of your life that count. You see? Because the actions come from your heart. Whatever a man thinking, that's what he is. You see? So it's important that as we deal with these things that God speaks about, that what he really wants is that when you do get mad, not to verbally abuse anybody... Or physically abused. But the ultimate thing is God wants you in a right attitude to forgive that person for what they've done against you. Because look what he says in verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you. For example, you come this morning to worship the Lord. You're sitting here. And you know in your heart that you have hurt somebody this week or maybe for the last year you have held in your heart bitterness. Let me ask you this. If you sincerely have that in your heart, how can you say you have the love of God in you? You couldn't even be able to worship God. Because bitterness breaks fellowship with God. That's not the attitude of Christ. You see, he tells you here that if you have something against a person, and when you come to the house of the Lord, you remember by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, and he tells you, hey, you haven't done this thing right. He says, leave your sacrifice and go and make things right. And then when you come, God will receive your offering. Why? Because you've squared away your attitude with that person. You've made things right with God and men. Otherwise, how can God hear you? This is something that is important for all of us to understand. We need to forgive. We need to forget. Because what he says is that as I am coming into the house of the Lord to receive from the Lord, how can I receive from the Lord? Or how can God hear me when I don't know how to forgive my brother and my sister? Then how can God forgive me and forget? It's an impossibility. It's a contradiction. It's hypocrisy. And then he says this in verse 24. Leave your gift there before the altar and then go your way first and be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. You see, make things right first. Then you can come in the spirit of worship. Now let's say this, that if you go and you tell that person, hey, I'm sorry for what I've done. And they don't want to forgive you. You are free because you've done what God has told you to do. You have to be right before God. Then God has to worry about that other person. Let him in the hands of the Lord. Make sure that you are right before God. Don't worry about everybody else. You worry about yourself. That when you come to the house of the Lord or you're at home and you're reading your Bible, you're praying or seeking the Lord, make sure that you take an examination of your attitude first towards men, towards God. So that your prayers will not be hindered. So that you have an open line before God and before men. 
And then he says this in verse 25, Agree with your adversary quickly. Why? While you are on the way with him. Lest the adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge, notice, hand you over to the officer, and you be thrown into prison. That is the debtor's prison. I surely I say to you, by no means will you ever get out of that prison until you pay the last penny. How are you going to pay if you're in prison? You can. It's an impossibility. You see, he's dealing with judgment. He's dealing with God's judgment too. If you don't forgive now, then how will you expect God to forgive you of what you've done? When you're not willing to forgive those that have come against you. So Jesus came to change the attitudes. And then in verse 27, he now deals with the second, and that is lust. The problem with lusting. He says, you have heard it said of old times in Exodus 20, 14. You shall not commit adultery. Now you see, the Old Testament said, and the law said, that if you commit adultery, instantly the man and the woman committing the act of adultery were to be put to death instantly by stoning. You see? But... Jesus now wants you to understand that it's not the physical act. The physical act is wrong. But what he wants you to know is that now is not only going out physically and laying with some woman or some man and having sex with them to call that adultery, but you can commit adultery in your own mind by the things that you're thinking. You see? Now he deals with the mind. Listen to verse 28. But I say to you, that whosoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So whatever you read, whatever you see, whatever things you're reading or looking at or entertaining yourself with, you have to really be careful that it's not staining your mind and bringing you to lusting. You see? Because then it becomes sin. You don't have to have sex with somebody or do anything else. You can think it in your mind and you already are guilty according to the true law of God. You see? You become guilty just by thinking it. Here he's not talking of looking at a woman and saying, wow, what a beautiful woman it is. It's after looking at that woman and then desiring in that woman sexually or a man or anything else that you're lusting after. You see? Coveting. After a house, covering after a house, or a car, or somebody else's things. And so Jesus wants to deal with that. This is Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese. Our goal is to help you grow in faith and enjoy close communion with God. Visit somebodylovesyou.com or call 800-634-9165. Later on, we'll tell you about Rawls' new Sermon on the Mount book for a limited-time discount. But first, let's continue with more of Rawls' lesson. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, then the way to do it is pluck it out and cast it from you. He said, whoa. Now, he's not telling you to pluck out your eye or cut your hand off, so don't go home and do that, okay? And then say that I told you to do that. He's literally talking and making an illustration of the importance of getting rid of the sin. You see? If your eyes are making you lust, 
Then get rid of the sin. Don't pluck your eyes out. Get rid of your sin. Deal with your mind. The things that you're reading, the things that you're watching, the music you listen to, the kind of TV and movies you watch. You get rid of it. How? Bringing it to the cross of Jesus Christ. Admitting, confessing that you have a problem with lust. Why? Because a problem with lust will lead you not into active sex, but it will lead you to pornography. It will lead you into so many things that will disqualify you and it will grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because He's speaking to believers, not to non-believers. He's talking about the relationship between you and God. That's why He wants you to take care of the problem that you have. And that is to bring it in submission to the Lord and say, Lord, this problem is with my mind, my eyes, my hands, my feet. These are the problems that I have. I bring it to the cross and I want to crucify it. I want to put it to death. Then God can help you. We are dealing with it. That's what Jesus is teaching. Because he says in verse 30, even if your foot, notice, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be thrown into the lake of fire. And if your right hand causes you to sin, then cut it off and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for the whole body to be cast into the lake of fire. You see, if you don't take care of your problem with pornography or adultery or fornication or whatever the problem may be, you could end up in the lake of fire. That's judgment. God is willing to forgive you if you repent. If you put away your sin, He will help you. He will cleanse you. He will wash you. He'll get you along the way. But this is a, in a place where you don't want to cut it off. You don't want to get rid of it. You continue to dwell in it. You continue to practice in it. Then you could be led to hell. And literally the word hell there is the Gehenna, the lake of fire. That's where the end will come for every wicked person. Then... He deals in verse 31 through 32. He deals with adultery. And this is what he says. Furthermore, it has been said that whosoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. Now, what happened is that marriage and divorce was established in the book of Genesis chapter 2 verses 18 through 32. But then by the time Moses ruled and reigned, and by the time he gave the Ten Commandments and he wrote them down, These people, by the time you get to Deuteronomy chapter 24, they had become so critical against everything concerning marriage and divorce because they had two types of schools. They had a real liberal school, and then they had kind of a a school that was pretty moderate. But there were two teachers that you need to know about, and they were kind of... um, Radical ones, Shamiel and, and Hillel. Hillel was a liberal one. He said that you could actually divorce your wife for any cause, which means this you go to work, you come back in the morning, dinner's ready, you sit down to eat, and you hate what she's cooked. He said, Man, woman, I'm going to divorce you. Then came along, not Hillel, but Shemiah came along and he said, The only reason that God will allow you to divorce your wife or your husband is because of immorality or sexual sin. Wow. Did you know that Jesus in the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi chapter 2, God says that he hates divorce? When you go B.C. before Christ... And you come to the Lord, then Jesus Christ forgives you, cleanses you, all things are brand new. Let me give you a situation. 
Two people get saved. They're forgiven by God. They come to the Lord. They live together in marriage for five, ten years. And then all of a sudden you say, you know what? I don't love you anymore. There's no immorality. There's no verbal. There's no physical abuse. According to the Old and according to the New Testament, what Jesus taught, there is no possible way to get out of that and be divorced. What Jesus is teaching, the only loophole to get out of a marriage and at the same time still be able to forgive is when a woman or a man have sex with somebody else while they are married. That is called adultery. Okay? That's what he's teaching. He said, well, what about if your husband is verbally or physically abusing you? The Bible doesn't say you should divorce him. But Paul gives you a time, what we call a separation time, where you leave your husband or the wife that is verbally or physically abused, and you give God an opportunity to work on the side of your husband to see if he repents. Paul the Apostle also says in 1 Corinthians 7 that if you have an unbeliever husband and a believer wife and the unbeliever wants to leave and wants to divorce you, the Bible says that he can do it and then you are free to remarry only in the Lord. That's if he wants to leave or if she's an unbeliever and she wants to leave then God gives a loophole to go in and be able to remarry only in the Lord. But there is no loophole if there is no immorality, if there's no abuse for anyone to divorce. Why? Because what he's teaching here, if you divorce anybody like that and then you get remarried, Paul says, you're living a life of adultery. Wow. And I know God forgives you. That's not the impardonable sin, adultery. But you see, Jesus wants us to understand to respect marriage. Marriage is of the Lord. And so Jesus teaches here, we need to be careful how we do this. But the most important thing is to forgive. And that's why in verse 32 he says, But I say unto you that whosoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. In verse 33 now he deals with swearing, deception of swearing. You know how people hear, swear to God, swear to God, we're not to do that. Look what he says. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of all, you shall not swear falsely, but you shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, you see Leviticus 19.12 said that, but I say unto you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, nor by the earth, it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, because it's his city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair black or white. But let your yes be yes, and your no's be no's. For whatever is more than this is from the evil one. What does he mean? He says, be a man and a woman of your word. Don't swear. Hey, be able to trust one another as believers. When you make a contract with somebody, we shake on it. We're brothers in the Lord, and we are going to do it and accomplish what we said we would do. That's what Jesus is trying to say. And then in verse 38... He says now he deals with retaliation. You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. And you remember he's speaking to the judges. The judges were the ones making the judgment in Leviticus twenty four nineteen. He says, but I say unto you, 
Resist the evil person, but whosoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Oh, that would be hard to do. I would want to retaliate. I don't think I could stand and somebody slap me and say, okay, go ahead, take the other shot. I mean, I'm not trying to be pious. I mean, that's just my heart. But what Jesus is trying to do here, he's actually trying to make us peacemakers. In any possible way that you can make peace, do it. Make peace is the greatest thing. As believers, we're not to go around suing people. Paul the Apostle talks about it in 1 Corinthians. He says, stay out of the courts because the courts are the Gentiles, the heathens. And they're always judging everybody. He says, if you can settle out of court between one another, hey, great. Then you don't have people mock the Lord. You see what I'm saying? So here in the same way he's dealing with being a peacemaker. And then verse 41, look what he says. And whosoever compels you to go one mile, go within two miles. We don't understand that because of the culture. If I was a centurion, a Roman centurion, I would take my sword out and I would tap you on the shoulder and say, Hey, carry my stuff for one mile. Jesus says, when they ask you to carry one mile, don't carry it one mile, carry it two miles. Why? Because through the love, everything's in the principle of love. Your attitude should be one of love. I will not only carry your packs for one mile, but I will carry that extra mile so that I can share Jesus Christ with you. You see? Jesus made it possible that way. So there was no anger in your heart. And then give to him who asks you. And from him who wants to borrow from you. Do not turn away. That is giving to people that are in need without resentment. If you have it, give it to them. Because they need more than you do probably. And then finally verse 43. The law of loving your enemies. Another hard one for me. (laughs) You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I like that old one. (laughs) But look at the new one. That was in Leviticus 19, 17 and 18. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who despisely, notice, use you and persecute you. Again, the motive is what? Love. That you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise up on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. God is not a respect of persons. For if you love those who love you. Hey, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? You wouldn't be showing your love as Christ. You see, the world does that already. He wants us to be different. And if you greet your brother only, then what do you more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so? And then he drops this bomb on us here in verse 48. Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Wow. No possible way. We might as well close the book and go home. (laughs) Because none of us are perfect here. But the word perfect speaks of completeness or maturity. And listen, this is where the grace of God comes in. Because if it wasn't for the grace of God in His forgiveness for my sins, put it this way, I would not be here and you would not be here either. We are here because of the grace of God. And one day we are going to be perfect even as He is perfect. Today's lesson has provided a lot of instruction for honoring the Lord in our daily lives. But we've also seen that God wants our choices to be motivated by our love for Him, not by a burden of religious obligation. You're listening to Somebody Loves You Radio with Raul Reese.
To review the message you've just heard, call 800-634-9165 and we'll send you an unedited copy for a donation of $5 or more. When you get in touch with us, simply ask for the teaching titled Purity of Life. To further illuminate what it looks like to walk in true communion with the Lord, we'd like to tell you about Rawls' new book titled Sermon of Sermons. Exploring the practical wisdom of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, this resource will guide you in ordering your life to glorify God as you point others to Him. Act now to order Rawls' new book titled Sermon of Sermons and take advantage of our limited-time introductory rate of just $12 plus shipping and handling. Visit SomebodyLovesYou.com or call 800-634-9165 to make your purchase. That's 800-634-9165. Or you can write us at Somebody Loves You Radio, P.O. Box 4440, Diamond Bar, California, 91765. Because it's our mission to get you into the Word of God and learn how to feed yourself on its truth, we've put together a resource that can be a guide. It's our Somebody Loves You app. Now, whether you have an iPhone or Android, this free app will introduce you to in-depth digital Bible studies on a variety of topics. In addition to that, it comes with a daily reading plan to get you into the Scriptures on a daily basis. You can find this resource when you visit SomebodyLovesYou.com and click on the mobile app link at the top of the page. Don't forget, we're grateful for your support and your tax-deductible gifts. Your partnership is the backbone of this listener-supported ministry. Tomorrow, we'll continue our study of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount by exploring what Jesus said about God's design and purpose for marriage. You'll see that while our society has ever-changing views on the marital relationship, the Lord's are perfect and fixed. That's next time on Somebody Loves You Radio. This program is sponsored by Somebody Loves You Radio in Diamond Bar, California.